Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in the world of finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week, we're in Switzerland for Art Basel, and in this special edition of the show, Monocle's culture editor, Chiara Rimella, has been busy reporting for the programme from the fair. She'll be joining me in just a moment to tell us about what she's been up to. UBS, of course, is the global lead partner of Art Basel, and the bank itself has a long history of supporting contemporary art and artists. The firm has one of the world's most important corporate art collections and seeks to advance the international conversation about the art market through its partnership with Art Basel, but also as co-publisher of the Art Basel and UBS Global Art Market Report, which we cover every year here on the programme. As I mentioned, Monocle's Chiara Rimella touched down in Basel for all the fun of the fair this week. And she's here now. Chiara, great to have you on the programme with us. Uh, You're joining us from our Zurich hub in Seyfeld, freshly returned from Basel. How was it, is my first question. Well, first of all, I don't know if I'm feeling very fresh because that's the whole point. It was so hot in Basel and it has been in the whole of Europe. But I think that contributed to this kind of almost frenzied mood on the ground. Everybody was so happy to be back. It was, I guess, the first edition of Art Basel back in its usual slot in June. So very summery. Everybody very excited to be there. And it wasn't just about, you know, swanning about and looking at art. It was very much about business. Sales were very much on the cards from day one, you know, listening to press officers and gallerists talk about how the sales had gone by the end of the day. I could tell that there were galleries they were that were, you know, collecting sales of about millions <laughs> within the first couple of hours of being open. So the art market is well and truly back, as announced, to be fair, by the UBS art market report earlier this year. But we could see it in practice in the halls for sure. Let's kick off with something of an agenda setter from UBS's own Head of Wealth Management Europe and Chairman, indeed, of the UBS Art Board, Crystal Novakovic, who gave an address to kick off the fair. Here's what Crystal had to say. Collecting art is a passion that is part of our genetic makeup at UBS and one of the reasons why we are so proud and happy to be the lead partner of Art Basel for almost three decades now. And these three decades have been rewarding for us, especially then when they allowed us to deepen our relationship or partnership with artists. The UBS Art Collection first commissioned the Swiss artist Sylvie Fleury in 1994 to create site-specific works for a building here in Basel. And this year, we actually are proud to dedicate a solo presentation at the UBS Lounge to Sylvie, including several works that we have collected over the past years. In addition, on display at the art studio just next door is a new collection acquisition by Liz Larner, a sculpture made of items of single-use plastic, drawing the attention to the environmental danger of plastic waste. And what we want to achieve with that is we really want to provoke new ways of relating to the environment. And we are also encouraging recycling and upcycling practices through a number of activities in the studio, and we really hope to inspire shared action. UBS, long ago, has embarked its journey on a low-carbon economy, and earlier this year we've committed 
to achieving a net zero emission economy by 2050, supported obviously by a comprehensive climate strategy that touches every part of our business. And our research shows that environmental issues are becoming more and more important also for collectors. Earlier this year, as mentioned by Mark, we have published together with Art Basel the sixth edition of the Art Basel and UBS Global Art Market Report, which revealed that in 2021, 70% of the surveyed collectors have decided to really choose sustainable options when it came to the management of their collections, obviously focusing on either recyclable products or, where possible, sustainable forms of transport. So the pandemic, terrible though it may be, has helped us reflect on what we hold most dear. That includes the beauty of our planet, which resonates obviously through art and through culture. And it includes the sense of togetherness we achieve with family, with closed ones, with friends. And in that spirit, in our branch in Eschenvorstadt, it's about 20 minutes walk from here, we are showcasing a global collaborative project by the Colombian artist Oscar Murillo as part of the Art Basel's parkour program. It's a work that really carries the message of community and inclusivity as hundreds of students from all over the world were invited to make their mark on the canvases. The pandemic really reconfigured societies and forced us to rethink how we collect and engage with art. And for some collectors, this has led to a growing emphasis on philanthropic giving with a substantial increase in those intending to donate pieces of art this year to either museums or charitable organizations. To make our own UBS art collection more accessible to the public, we opened the UBS Art Gallery in New York and run even virtual exhibitions there. And this is actually, to be honest, one of the most positive legacies of the migration online two years ago. Its current hybrid exhibition, titled Reimagining New Perspectives, features recently acquired works by the collection from artists like Theaster Gates, Jeffrey Gibson, Laura Halsey, Hugo MacLeod, Adam Pendleton, and Amy Sherald. We truly believe that artists are the spokespeople of our time, and that art can tangibly contribute to building a better world. It has the power to unify us during difficult time, and honestly, it has never felt more pertinent than now. Now, Chiara, I think you uh, actually heard that address and the rest of the panellists on the ground. But shortly after, you did track down uh, Giovanni Carmine of Unlimited. And Unlimited kind of kicks things off, doesn't it? Tell us about this and then maybe uh, introduce uh, your conversation with Giovanni. Of course. Well, Unlimited is the first section of Art Basel to actually open to the public or rather to the VIP preview, I should say, on a Monday evening. And I think it's... It's a, just a hallmark side of the fair. It's so impressive. It's staged, as I say, almost like a museum show. And people really remember one edition from the other. They will go back and be like, oh, the Unlimited this year was better than last year or something like that. I think it's interesting because it's still very much a commercial platform. 
you know, when I was there, actually, just before I had the conversation with Giovanni, we were going through what had sold and what hadn't sold from these this year's edition. And there are there are um, works selling in order of the hundreds of thousands or up to millions. So it's, you know, it's big business there. Um, but it's interesting because they are works that the galleries would not usually be able to show in their traditional booths. Though, I mean, Hauser & Wirth, for example, showed a huge kind of spider by Louise Bourgeois in their standard booth in the fair. But it was kind of squat in a little bit in those booths whilst here in Unlimited they really get the chance to breathe and there are some colossal installations that you would struggle to see even at some like landmark museum how big they are so it's interesting that it's both uh, very much a commercial platform for the galleries that get a chance to present an artist also being presented in such a solo booth just is such a boost to an uh, artist's career. I spoke to some gallerists who were kind of finally trying to re-establish careers of artists who had been almost forgotten. Um, and with such a platform, you really can do almost like a solo show. Um and, and the, you know, you can make statements about the state of politics, the state of the world. I think that because finally and at Limited, the works have little blurbs on the side as opposed to the fair where you're very much kind of on your own trying to navigate the art. So it really feels a lot more put in context. And Giovanni has the great job of curating this and he's been doing it for a couple of years and he's very much in his stride already. Uh, and he's very kind of realistic about the task at hand. He doesn't. He told me that he doesn't really feel too much pressure in doing so, but he does an excellent job and I had the pleasure of speaking to him about it. Honestly, I don't have to think too much about pressure but I have to think about delivering a good space an interesting pairing of works an interesting place to meet art and other people and enhance encounters with artworks and with artists that maybe people knows or, or don't know so I don't think much about the pressure but obviously I'm also aware of the fact that this is an important moment that this is a very unique platform and it was a visionary idea to make Unlimited happen 20 years ago. And it was also a need to somehow generate a platform where it's possible to show certain kind of work. Because, yeah, contemporary artists doesn't only do little drawings or <laughs> paintings which are one meter by one meter, but they tend to... Uh, generate spaces, installation, uh, uh, time-based artworks which need another logistic than the usual one of the art fair. And our Basel has been on the top of her game and decided to make this platform unlimited and I think that everybody is very happy about it. What has been your leading principle this year? What's kind of led your approach to this year? Interesting enough, we had a lot of proposition this year that really addresses topics which are totally uh, actual, like identity politics, gender politics, and on the other end, something that unfortunately became very, very actual, like the tensions between Western and Eastern or Sovietic societies. We have some works which they're coming from the mid of the 80s totally addressing the fact that there was a generation of people that grew up in the middle of the cold war and that was a period that was not funny <laughs> and it's beautiful to see somehow how art that is made in a certain 
historical moment that was relevant at that moment is still relevant today. So I think good art keeps its power and whatever energy and formal interest. Well, you mentioned one of the works, which is definitely a standout of this edition, but can you maybe walk us through a couple of other of your picks? Though I know that you can't pick your favorites because no curator is allowed to do that. But if you could just walk us through some of the things that stood out to visitors. I think for the visitor, the mixture is, and the fact that Unlimited is very heterogeneous is very interesting. And I can stick out just two pieces which are totally different the one from the other one is Martha Rosler collages which are a very important historical piece which is part of art history about feminist art about the gaze on the female body and the other one uh, the sound installation by Susan Phillips which is a more enchanting choir and very spectacular piece made out of nearly nothing, barrels and a human voice and this mixture of pieces which are historical and totally new or made specifically for Unlimited I think that that's the winning mix of this format Obviously Unlimited has been running for quite some time and I guess large scale works have been happening in the art world for a long time but do you think that also the commercial interest in these types of work that are so large is kind of trickling out of institutions and into kind of private collectors also is there a bit more experimentation going on do you think in the traditional kind of collectors point of view that they might just not be buying just abstract paintings anymore but they might be venturing into performing pieces or video installations or things that are just a little bit more challenging? I think that collectors and collecting institutions goes with the mood of the time or with the artist. Think about there is no most unlimited piece of art than the Sixteen Chapel, <laughs> if we think about it. And that was a conservative collector in 500 years ago and they asked the most innovative artists at that time to do a huge piece and so you're right it's like really historical thing that big art pieces or extensive art pieces exist not only in the market but in art history and yeah artists pushes collectors to do new stuff and if you are a serious person towards your engagement towards art you have to be ready to take risks because artists are taking risks all the time and so if you want to follow them, you have to go with them and uh, help them also and sustain them in their research, which is uh, often exploding the sizes. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely works in here that challenge even the notions of how they should be shown in the first place. I wonder, this kind of platform when a lot of people come in and see it almost as a museum show but do you think that for the galleries also this is an important occasion commercially for them also? For the galleries Unlimited is a very important platform because it's a unique possibility to a very large public certain kind of works and maybe to be able to uh, 
put in the center of attention certain positions, certain to make you know a statement towards certain artists that they have in the program. I, I want to show this person, uh, um, or I want to show you that I have this person in my program. And I don't know, there are correspondences like we have um, this year a couple of positions like Francis Alice. Uh, which is representing Belgium at the Venice Biennial and the gallerist is showing here a very beautiful uh, series of painting of his and of course there are like the market is mirroring what is happening in the art world in general so uh, there are nice echoes I think and there are several reasons to be in Unlimited mainly the reason to be in Unlimited and to see wonderful art pieces. Giovanni Carmine there. Now, Chiara, as well as chatting to Giovanni, you also caught up with Samuel Leuenberger, curator of Parkour. Just very briefly, remind us what this is and tell us why it's so important in your view for Art Basel as a fair. Yes, so parkour is the public-facing, I guess, aspect of Art Basel. It consists of different installations that are put across the locations through the city of Basel, so in courtyards, inside buildings, kind of taking over spaces, popping up here and there. And I didn't even intend necessarily to go to some of these locations, but just going through the city, they're very well signposted and you can see them really easily on the side. And you go in and there's these really, I guess it's nice because it's very contained, so you can feel and experience one installation at a time. If you're just walking down the street, it doesn't take you that long to go in and take a look and, and experience that art in a bit of a kind of bite size. Um, you know, I was just walking past a UBS office in Central Basel and I stepped in and there's this huge, amazing installation by Oscar Murillo and you can just take it in and continue on your day uh, and then again like it, it, it's something that invites you into the city to discover in the courtyards and places that perhaps you wouldn't have headed to yourself and I think as I said it's an important part of Art Basel because you know it is ultimately the world's most important commercial fair so there is always going to be a commercial aspect to a lot of things but I think it's important that Basel also opens up to the public to Basel as a city and to people who might want to head up and and take their first steps into art into collecting perhaps so I think it's very important to maintain a connection to the city and to the public. Basel, the municipality of Basel is definitely very happy with the presence of Art Basel. It's definitely a huge boost for the city. It's a great kind of press opportunity. But I think that there is a chance to even reach out more uh, on the model of perhaps other fairs around the world that really kind of bring the public in. And so I spoke to Samuel about all of these things, but also just about how enthusiastic everybody was because, you know, walking down the streets, you saw so many people, clearly art types, heading down to the Messe. As I said, it was almost feverish with the heat, with the excitement of being back. And as a Basel-born resident himself, he had a great perspective on what it felt like to be in the city. We started feeling it a few months ago already when the deadline was coming up for, for parkour and Unlimited early in the year. Already then, just a pure reaction of the galleries and artists willing to think about engaging in projects this year here without having known yet back in January when the restrictions end in various countries was overwhelming. So I think already at the beginning of the year, people really felt there's a time, these changes are coming and people are just happy to go back to the grind, you know, and, and, and work again on site. It's interesting because in these halls, the overwhelming majority of people roaming about, particularly today, are 
kind of avid collectors who are you know, very much kind of on serious business. But the section of the fair that you look after is the most public kind of facing one. How do you think that fairs can inhabit these two personas, being places where it is important that the art market kind of stays alive and, and florid, but also manage to reach out to the public and, who knows, maybe entice somebody else into the fold in the future? No, exactly. I think it was an initiative when it was started, Parkour, 12 years ago. It was a hard sale, especially towards the galleries because a lot of galleries didn't know how to shift their staff over there and how to catch their collectors out in the city to see their artists being shown there. It's been a long path, but it's been a development into the positive direction. I think, like you said, it's in the intersection where the general public visits and works and lives in. And I think also the galleries now are realizing that also the avid collector who usually doesn't have a lot of time here, spend the time here in the halls, but they now also start to enjoy more and more to go into the city and seeing their favorite artists that they might already be collecting, doing something that activates their work in a different way or responds with the work in a different way. And it shows just a, a larger breadth of how artworks can live beyond once you've bought it at the art fair. And so this platform is becoming more and more valuable literally for the galleries even though it's not a very high sales platform but it's becoming more and more valuable just to be able to tell different kind of stories that you won't be able to tell on the fair booth. Let's zoom into some particular works that you're showing as part of the programming. Can you tell us a few of your highlights that visitors should be seeking out on the streets? Sure, one of the, the highlights I'm very excited about is the l very large immersive installation by Oscar Murillo, Colombian artist based in London, who chose after a site visit here to do his installation in the lobby of the headquarter of UBS at Bankverein, which is a very, very large open space of an Oculus with where natural light comes in. And he basically put together a couple projects, uh, an older project, a more recent project, and merged into one very large one absolutely gorgeous project it's an artist also i've been wanting to work with for like four or five years and i was never able to reach or get through to him or to his studio so this is great because on the one hand you just see also oscar murillo's interest in in the political position of the individual and what happens if you sit together in a group and the power of unison what this can uh, affect and there he Yeah, you have to go there and get surprised. The beautiful arrangement of 100 mannequins wearing uniforms of symbols put together in a pattern together with a fashion designer uh, derived from his research working with school kids all over the world where he covered the school tables with raw canvas that were then drawn on. And then now, after collecting over 40,000 of these canvases, he started like categorizing them and trying to collect certain motives and subjects from Japan to Chile to whoever, wherever, and end up making these beautiful garments that are now in the room. Obviously, so much of the program takes place around the city of Basel. You're from Basel also, right? How do you think that the relationship between the city and the fair has changed in the last few years? Do you think that even more and more the fair is not quite so constrained inside the Messeplatz, but it's kind of becoming more, I guess, responsive and in collaboration with the city beyond it? Do you think that this synchrony is growing? I think it's been growing actually for years and years and years. I think Art Basel is a very welcome business in town. And I think even if Art Basel itself, even though they do the film sector in the city and parkour, 
the presence of Art Basel is everywhere. The business that's being done, the events that are being organized, every small, I run myself an off-space, a non-for-profit of a smaller scale. Every single group that is active here creatively is putting up their best show in June. So even if Art Basel is not directly involved, we're all motivated by the presence of everybody coming here. So I mean, I think the, the fruitfulness of having this affair here in June is just unmeasurable, really, not just in terms of financial turnaround, but also just cultural richness. Samuel Leuenberger, curator of Parkour, talking to our own Chiara Rimella. And Chiara, you're still with us. Just a final thought, very briefly, on takeaways, I guess, from this edition. It did feel like the old Art Basel once again. What will you be taking away from this year's edition in a word or two? Well, I think I'll be taking away that our market is very alive and well and that definitely there is appetite and that, you know, the politics and the economic developments around the world much as they are, you know, influential, they felt like they were part of the conversation, but that they were in the centre of the conversation, that the art market feels like an exciting place to be commenting on the world, but that also has its own life of its own. And it was beautiful to be immersed in it for a few days. Chiara, fantastic to catch up with you. Look forward to talking more uh, when you return to London next week. That was Monocle's Culture Editor, Chiara Rimella. Chiara, thank you. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week on Monocle 24. Big thanks to Chiara Rimella for her reporting on the ground in Basel this week, and thanks to all the crew at UBS for their tireless work there too. There's plenty more information and fascination to be found at ubs.com forward slash art. You can listen again and find out more about this show in the meantime at monocle.com or catch up via your preferred podcast platform. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.